Chapter 7 Black velvet filled Jason's mind. A comforting veil of nothingness was drawn across his memories, leaving him cocooned in a blissful oblivion. No light, no sound, no thoughts, no pain, only emptiness remained. But something was dragging him back. A nagging, burning sensation, throbbing somewhere in the distance, but growing more insistent with every breath that he took. Jason could hear a dim clatter of footsteps, the low murmur of voices and an insistent machine-like beeping growing ever louder, pulling him out of the void and back to reality. His eyes flickered open to see Scott, his pale face creased with worry, staring down at him. Jason tried to pull himself upright, but then gasped as a sudden roar of pain blazed in his shoulder and the tangle of tubes and wires hooked up to his arms pulled him back down onto the hospital bed. Scott quickly leaned forward to free the IV tube snagged under Jason's arm. His face flushed with relief as he helped Jason struggle into a sitting position, wedging the lumpy grey pillows behind his back to prop him upright. Jason tried to speak, but his tongue was a dried husk in the desert of his mouth, and only a choking cough that sent fresh shivers of pain jangling through his shoulder came out. It's okay, said Scott, thrusting a glass of water into Jason's trembling hand, and then watching with concern as the detective held it to his parched lips and gulped the liquid down. They say you're going to be okay. The bullet only hit soft tissue on its way through. It's going to hurt, but it's going to heal. In an instant, Jason remembered everything. Finding the evidence hidden in Alex Williams's office, the sound of Jerry Daedalus's voice oozing from the tinny laptop speakers, Detective Chief Inspector Nichols pointing the gun straight at him. He remembered staring down its barrel and then hearing the click of the safety catch and the squeeze of the trigger. He shivered uncontrollably and then quickly glanced around in fear, taking in his surroundings for the very first time. A garish plastic curtain was pulled around the bed in which he was lying, and beside him an IV drip hung from a stand, its tube running to the vein in his forearm. Next to the bed, Scott perched on a hard plastic chair, and behind him a monitor continued to beep reassuringly. Where are we? asked Jason, the question crackling from his dry lips. The Royal Alexandra Hospital, Scott replied. I didn't know where else to go. I couldn't wake you. You were losing so much blood. It was all over the car. The doctor said that if they hadn't been able to stop the bleeding, you'd have been dead within the hour. Before Scott had even finished speaking, Jason had swung his legs down out of the bed, grimacing as he pulled the IV drip from his arm with a shaking hand. What are you doing? said Scott, leaping up from his chair in alarm as Jason tried to stand. Jason looked down at the pale blue hospital gown covering his body. He could see the starched white bandages strapped around his shoulder, and beneath these he felt the molten ache of the gunshot wound, half hidden behind the anaesthetic haze that lingered in his bloodstream. We've got to get out of here, he told Scott. From behind the curtain, he could hear a nurse checking on the patient in the next bed and the low murmur of his reply. Where are my clothes? In response to Jason's hissed question, Scott reached into the cabinet beside the hospital bed and pulled out a clear plastic bag filled with clothing. Here, he said, handing it to Jason. Beneath the plastic, Jason could see his crumpled white shirt splattered with burgundy bloodstains. But can't you wait to see the doctor? Scott continued, concern still etched on his face. He said he'd be back once you came round. That's why we've got to go now, Jason replied, a snarl of pain fixed to his lips as he struggled to dress himself. 
The hospital has to report any patients with gunshot wounds to the Metropolitan Police as soon as they're admitted. Uniform will be on their way to interview me right now. He pulled his jacket tight to hide his bloodstained shirt. Nichols won't be far behind them. Fear flashed in Scott's eyes as realisation dawned. He remembered the triumphant sneer of the sinister man in the overcoat, even as he'd been cuffed to the radiator. Whatever you do, wherever you go, we'll find you. Dyer was right. They weren't safe. Not here. Not anywhere. Let's get out of here. Scott stepped towards the curtain that sealed off the cubicle from the rest of the ward. Jason followed closely behind, breathing sharply through clenched teeth as he tried to control the pain. Then they both rose as the curtain was suddenly drawn back by a white-coated doctor. Stepping into the cramped confines of the cubicle, the doctor looked from Scott to Jason in surprise, a disapproving look hardening on his face. And where do you think you're going? he asked Jason, glancing down at the notes on the clipboard he was holding. You only came out of surgery a couple of hours ago. I think it's a little early to be getting back on your feet. I'm discharging myself, Jason replied, a pained expression creasing his face as he took another step forward. The doctor ran a hand through his greasy brown hair in frustration. Dark circles ringing his eyes at the end of his 12-hour shift approached. As your doctor, I can't allow you to do that. We've stabilised the gunshot wound, but I need to run further x-rays and scans to make sure there are no bullet fragments still in there. You lost a lot of blood, and we need to monitor you for any signs of infection. Shaking his head, Jason reached inside his jacket pocket and pulled out his police warrant card with trembling fingers. As a police officer, I'm telling you that I'm discharging myself. Right, now. The doctor stared at Jason as he stood there the detective's body swaying slightly from the effort of keeping itself upright. His blood-stained jacket was marked with a charred bullet hole where the left sleeve met his shoulder. Scott stood alongside Jason, nervously shifting his weight from one foot to the other, as he watched the doctor's expression quickly change from shock to resignation. I do wish you'd at least talk to your colleagues before you go ahead and discharge yourself, the doctor replied with a sigh. See if they can talk some sense into you. He gestured past the rows of identical beds towards the reception desk at the entrance to the ward. There, standing with their backs towards them, two uniformed police officers were quizzing the nurse manning the desk. At the sight of the two policemen, Jason and Scott exchanged an anxious glance, both instantly sharing the same unspoken fear. Nichols had found them. Sweat beading his forehead, Jason sank back down onto the bed, desperate to buy them some time. Don't worry, he sighed, the raw ache in his shoulder still fogging his mind. I'll talk to them. I just need a minute here. The doctor stared at Jason, raising a quizzical eyebrow at this sudden change of heart. But before he could speak, he was interrupted by a frantic clatter of footsteps behind him and the simultaneous buzzing of his pager. A red-haired nurse appeared at his shoulder, her freckled face scrunched into an anxious frown. Doctor, you're needed an A&E right away she told him, her words rushing out. There's been a major road traffic accident out on the North Circular. The ambulances won't stop coming. They say that hundreds are injured. She paused to take a breath, looking for a moment as though she was on the verge of tears. It's chaos down there. They need all available medical staff in A&E right now. Nodding his head, the doctor turned and strode briskly down the ward at the nurse's side their footsteps slapping in unison across the worn floor tiles. 
At the reception desk, the two policemen were still hunched deep in consultation with the receptionist. As the curtain fell back around the bed, screening them from view, Scott turned to Jason. They found us, he groaned, the fear already pumping adrenaline through his veins. We've got to move, now. With a painful nod of agreement, Jason pushed himself up from the bed, but then sank back down almost immediately with a sharp gasp. His right hand reached up to his bandaged shoulder, the wound a ragged knot of agony. I don't know if I can make it, Jason said, his words coming in short staccato gasps. Get out of here. Go back to the bookshop. Tell them what happened. Shaking his head, Scott cut Jason's instructions short. Wait here, he told him. Pulling the curtain back a fraction, Scott quickly scanned the ward before silently slipping outside and leaving Jason alone on the bed. Then the curtain twitched back as Scott pushed a wheelchair into the cubicle. Can you get into this? he asked, leaning towards Jason's hunched figure with an outstretched hand. I can walk, Jason replied through gritted teeth, an angry flush momentarily colouring his pale features. I know, Scott replied, but we've got a better chance of getting past them with you in this. He stretched out his hand again to help him. Ignoring Scott's hand, Jason shifted his weight from the edge of the bed and with a groan of exertion, lowered himself into the wheelchair. Its hard metal lines dug into his body, pressing against his banded shoulder until he slumped forward to ease the pressure. Here, said Scott, quickly pulling the sheet from the bed and draping it around Jason's hunched shoulders. Cover yourself up and keep your head down. As Jason pulled the sheet more tightly around him, its antiseptic odour filling his nostrils, Scott pushed the wheelchair past the garish curtains and out into the ward. Glancing over his shoulder, Scott could see three nurses clustered around the coffee machine at the far end of the ward, oblivious to the squeak of the wheelchair. Ahead of them, past the line of hospital beds, echoing with low moans and spluttering coughs, he could see their way out. Two double doors beneath an exit sign. In their path, though, was the reception desk, the nurse's light blue uniform contrasting with the police officer's dark blue as they leant across the desk to scrutinise a computer screen. They were less than 20 paces away. Scott gripped the handles of the wheelchair tightly, his heart thumping with every sound that its wheels made across the tiled floor. 15 paces now, 10. The policemen still had their backs towards Scott and Jason, but their hard voices carried across the ward as they interrogated the nurse. Look, your patient confidentiality rules don't apply to us, said the shorter of the two policemen, the three parallel lines on his shoulder asserting his sergeant's rank. I want you to check all the admissions in the last 12 hours. Anyone admitted with gunshot wounds, I need to know who they are. Scott's knuckles whitened as the sergeant's words confirmed his very worst fear. If the policeman turned around right now, he'd have his answer. Hunched in the wheelchair, Jason tried to shade his face in the folds of the sheet draped across him. The double doors were just beyond the reception desk, the chance to escape tantalisingly close. Five paces. Keeping his head down and gritting his teeth, Scott steered the wheelchair past the reception desk, the nurse there barely glancing up as he passed. Only another few steps. Jason reached out from under the sheet to push the double doors open as Scott wheeled him through. Hey! The indignant sound of the nurse's voice rang out behind the closing doors. Where do you think you're going with that wheelchair? Scott glanced back, his face framed in the shrinking gap. That's the boy, 
the burly sergeant shouted. The two policemen scrambled around the reception desk as the double doors swung shut. Get after them! Panicking, Scott quickly glanced around the shabby entrance lobby, desperately searching for an escape route as the thunder of police boots rumbled down the ward. Ahead of them, a set of lift doors slid open to reveal a porter pushing out a patient on a trolley. As the policeman crashed through the double doors, Scott swerved the wheelchair past the trolley, barreled into the lift and pounded on the control panel to close the doors. Come on, he urged as the doors glided together with agonising slowness. He could see the policemen battling their way past the shocked porter, the unconscious patient spinning on the trolley as they forced their way through. Just before the lift doors closed, the taller of their pursuers thrust his hand through the sliver of space remaining. The narrow gap slowly began to widen, the policeman's scowling face now visible as he tried to prise the doors open. Another few seconds and he'd be in. From the wheelchair came a groan of effort and Scott saw Jason's leg kick out, connecting with the policeman's clawing hands with a sickening crunch. The officer let out a shrill yelp of pain and his splayed fingers disappeared through the gap as the doors finally snapped shut. As the lift began to descend, Scott looked down at Jason. The detective had sunk back into his wheelchair, his grey face a mask of pain. They'll be waiting for us, he told Scott, his words coming in labouring gasps as he shrugged the sheet that had been wrapped around him to the floor. He rose unsteadily to his feet and leaned heavily against the side of the lift, staring at the control panel as the floors ticked by. They'll have the exits covered. So what do we do? asked Scott, frustration flushing his face as his sense of helplessness grew. The lift juddered to a halt. The reading on the control panel showed that they had reached the basement. The doors slowly slid open to reveal an empty white corridor. Stark overhead strip lights illuminated a maze of signs branching off to the left and right. Immunology, microbiology, haematology, diagnostic imaging. At the end of the corridor, though, emblazoned in large red letters across white frosted glass, was the sign they were looking for. Emergency exit. We get out of here, said Jason through gritted teeth, draping his left arm around Scott's shoulders for support. They lurched forward, the detective wincing with every step while Scott struggled to bear his weight. As they edged along the corridor in short, shuffling steps, Scott anxiously glanced over his shoulder as the lift doors closed again with a click. The whir of hydraulics as the lift rose again told him they didn't have much time. Come on he told Jason as the detective leant against the wall to catch his breath. We need to hurry. For a moment, the long corridor was empty. No white-coated doctors, officious nurses or haggard patients blocking their path. It was as though the hospital had ceased to operate below the ground floor, but Scott knew that it couldn't last. As if to prove him right, he heard the sound of voices approaching from a corridor that branched off to the left behind them. Two male voices and the sound of heavy footsteps growing louder, getting nearer. The exit sign was still an age away at the end of the corridor. Jason hung like a dead weight on his shoulder and Scott knew that they wouldn't make it. A couple of paces ahead on the right was a large door, its surface a polished steel that almost glittered beneath the stark artificial lights, somewhere to hide. Hauling Jason towards the door, 
Scott pulled down on the handle and exhaled in relief as the heavy door slowly opened. As the approaching footsteps grew louder, he dragged Jason through the narrow gap, neither of them looking up to read the sign above the door before it swung closed behind them with a click. Mortuary. The first thing that struck Scott was the chill. The air inside the cavernous room was several degrees cooler than the corridor that they, they had just stepped in from. Then he saw the bodies. Silhouetted against the stark white expanse of refrigerated storage units lining the walls, a multitude of dark blue body bags lay on every available surface. In the middle of the room, a row of six autopsy tables, their metallic surfaces gleaming under the bright lights, were draped with the dark shapes of a dozen corpses. Around these corpses were dozens more, the bodies strewn on gurneys littering the room like abandoned shopping trolleys. In some cases, they were only covered with a sheet. Scott shuddered as he saw an exposed arm dangling lifelessly from the nearest trolley. What's been happening here? breathed Jason. Before Scott could even think of replying, a clattering sound in the corridor outside hijacked his attention. Glancing back, he saw the door handle beginning to turn and then felt Jason tugging at his arm. Without a word, the detective pulled Scott behind the nearest trolley, the sheet draped across the corpse, offering them a hiding place as they crouched there silently. Scott heard the mortuary door swing open, followed by another rhythmic clatter and the sound of wheels squeaking across the polished tiles. I've already told them that they filled the place up. I've run out of body bags down here and there's no room left in the freezers. If they don't start diverting them to other hospitals, we're going to be in trouble. Ignoring Jason's warning hand on his shoulder, Scott peered around the edge of the trolley, his eyes darting past the hanging sheet to the two white-coated porters pushing yet another loaded gurney into the crowded mortuary. They say that the mist came out of nowhere, the porter continued, his gruff voice echoing around the room. One minute sunshine, the next the entire roads carpeted in fog, right in the middle of rush hour. Those poor drivers never stood a chance. He wheeled the trolley into one of the few remaining spaces, right next to where Scott and Jason were hiding. Ducking behind the folds of the dangling sheet, Scott saw the trolley wheels jar to a halt in front of him. Makes you think the blimmin' government's got the right idea after all, the other porter replied, sucking his teeth in resignation. Get everyone off the roads and onto their new trains. It's got to be the safer way, ain't it? The overhead lights snapped off as the two men exited the mortuary, their voices and footsteps fading as the doors behind closed with a click. Crouching in the darkness, Scott felt Jason's hand tighten around his shoulder. Stay here. Dyer's voice rasped through the chill air, a strained whisper rising above the constant drone of the refrigeration units. We need to make sure that they're really gone. Scott nodded, his eyes slowly adjusting to the darkness. In front of him, he could make out the dark shape of a hand dangling from the trolley, its splayed fingers faintly silhouetted against the pale sheet. He stared at the hand with a strange fascination, his eyes straining against the dark as they flicked upwards to trace the shrouded shape of the body it belonged to. He shook his head. It seemed almost impossible that only an hour ago or so, this discarded bundle had been a living, breathing person, somebody's father maybe, somebody's son. Scott couldn't stop thoughts of his own father filling his head. Had he been brought somewhere like this? 
his body shoved on some trolley and left to fester there. He felt his eyes prickle with tears, but then angrily wiped them away. Without thinking, Scott reached out into the darkness, his fingers brushing against the dead man's cold, lifeless hand. In some strange way, he wanted to reassure him that he wasn't alone. There was a faint rustling sound somewhere on the far side of the room. Then Scott felt the dead man's hand closing around his own, the stiffening fingers cracking as they tightened their ice-cold grasp. Scott flung himself backwards in fear, his feet scrabbling on the polished floor as he tried to free himself from the dead man's grip. What's wrong? Jason's voice cut through the frigid air in a startled hiss. Scott clattered against another discarded trolley, his back pressed against the metal frame. He could still feel the touch of the dead man's fingers, even though he'd pulled himself free. Shoulders shaking, he stared up at the shrouded shape looming above him on the trolley. All he could hear was a rustling sound slowly growing louder, interspersed with creaks coming from the heavily laden trolleys. He's alive, Scott murmured, the words falling from his lips in disbelief. He watched the pale sheet slide slowly to the floor as the dark outline of the dead man rose up in front of him. Behind this ominous silhouette, Scott could see the rows of trolleys and tables filling the mortuary, their surfaces a squirming mass of dark shapes and shadows. The scratching, rustling sound now filled the room like the beating of a thousand tiny wings. They're all alive! He yelped as he felt another hand closing around his arm, then saw Jason's face pulled close to him in the blackness. Come on! The detective hissed through gritted teeth as he dragged Scott up onto his feet. We've got to get out of here now! Scott scrambled after Jason as they blundered through the maze of discarded trolleys. The blinking lights of the refrigerated storage units gave the darkness an eerie green glow, and Scott stumbled in the gloom. Throwing his hands out to save himself, he felt them sink into the yielding plastic of a body bag. Beneath this, he could feel cold flesh writhing underneath his fingers. Pulling his hands away in disgust, he saw the body bag thrash from side to side, rocking the trolley as it fought to free itself. Scott staggered past, clasping his hand to his mouth as he fought back the bilious taste of revulsion in his throat. He was trapped in a nightmare as all around him, in the darkness, the dead continued to rise. From the far end of the mortuary, there was a sudden discordant clanging, the sound of metal striking against metal. Scott glanced back, and with a lurch of terror, he saw the doors of the freezer units begin to open one by one, and the shadowy shapes of the corpses inside burst forward into the gloom. Scott! At the sound of Jason's shout, Scott swung back to see the detective framed in the doorway, the stark light flooding in from the corridor, revealing the full horror of the grotesque scene. He raced towards the light, his eyes half shut against the hideous sight of thrashing body bags, writhing on top of the rattling gurneys like giant maggots. And worse than this, the twisted limbs and torsos rising like spectres from the shining tables, with cold, dead eyes gazing sightlessly from horribly disfigured faces. Scott burst free from the mortuary into the sanitised sanctuary of the corridor, and Jason slammed the heavy steel door behind him with a rifle shot crack. Catching his breath in sharp, juddering gasps, he turned towards Jason. The detective was leaning heavily against the brush steel of the door, sealing inside the unnatural horrors within. 
What's happening? Scott asked, the panicked question stuttering from his lips. Those people in there, they were dead. There was a thud on the other side of the mortuary door, followed by another, then another. Jason shook his head, wincing from the effort of holding the door shut. Not anymore, he replied, sweat dripping from his ashen grey face. His eyes flicked up the corridor, fixing on the vivid green of the letters reading, Emergency Exit. This way, grunted Jason, gesturing towards the sign. He took a stumbling step forward and then grabbed hold of Scott for support as another jagged wave of pain ripped through the fading anaesthetic haze. Scott quickly looped a supporting arm beneath Jason's uninjured shoulder and then the two of them hobbled towards the doors. As they edged forward, the thudding sound behind them grew louder. Scott felt as though he was treading water against some invisible tide while Jason's dead weight hung heavy on his shoulders. Only a few more metres to go. Stop! Police! The shout rang out down the corridor. Glancing back, Scott saw the two policemen advancing towards them. The taller of the two officers had his taser drawn and trained in their direction, his hard-edged stare telling them that they wouldn't get away. Turn around, nice and slow. The burly sergeant barked out the order, raising his voice to a shout as the thudding sound echoing down the corridor reached a crescendo. They'd almost reached the mortuary now, the first of the policemen nervously eyeing the heavy steel door that was reverberating with every hammer-like blow. Sarge, do you think we need to... With a shriek, the door to the mortuary exploded outwards. The shambling corpses lurched forward, spilling out of the darkness and into the light. For a split second, Scott saw the two policemen, their faces frozen in horror, and then they disappeared beneath a flurry of broken bodies and twisted limbs. Scott's legs were frozen, his brain unable to process reality. Then a sudden rush of adrenaline flooded through his veins and he staggered forward again, flinging open the emergency doors to a chorus of alarms. Behind him, he heard an agonised scream suddenly choked into silence, but Scott didn't look back. With Jason leaning heavily on his shoulder, he stumbled through the emergency exit and out into the freezing gloom. In the distance, a wail of sirens was growing louder as they hobbled across the car park, slowly leaving the nightmare behind.